Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 26 says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, it's 3 p.m., and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, Why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked him, for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, his, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as, you, uh, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, uh, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that, you, that he may send uh, the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the, the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, You are, are the sons of the prophets and of the covenants that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've preserved it for us. We thank you that we can study it. We thank you that you reveal its truth to us by your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that you speak through it even today. God, that 
no matter if we are schooled or unschooled in it, Lord, you speak to us from it. It is a living word. Thank you that your truth is so simple that we can understand it plainly and so deep that we can study it for hours upon no end. Lord, we pray that in this time that we have together in your word that you would speak to our hearts. God, not simply by words I've prepared over a week, but Lord, by your Holy Spirit applying the message to us. Lord, we thank you for the truths that you have in this text today. We pray that you would speak to our hearts through it. It's in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> so, um, there's always a cost to restoring things, generally. I don't know if uh, any of you have taken on a restoration project of, of any sort in your house or with a car or, or something. There's, there's always a, a price to pay to restore something from a broken condition to uh, an operable condition. We had uh, a, a, a little bit of a scare this week as we were driving our car. Um, a, a week ago, we had gotten the, uh, the CV joints replaced, and, and that cost us. It was like a couple hundred bucks or whatever to get things replaced. It just needed to be done, and so I uh, had it done. And, and then this week, we were driving through an intersection and taking a left turn, and uh, everything went out of gear, like stopped moving forward, or basically started rolling forward instead of being propelled forward. And uh, we're like, man, I mean, we've you know, been considering needing a, another car anyways because you know, we've got a little one on the way, and the Civic doesn't quite cut it for two kids, I don't think. Um, so, uh, so anyway, we're like, oh my gosh, maybe it's sooner than we expected even. So, so we were, you know, worried about it because the, the dollar signs just flash through your head when you have such an experience where the gear goes out. And so just thinking of the price of, of restoring that, that that was ahead for us and, and thinking, man, we're going to have to, you know, work to get a car now and whatever. And so, uh, you know, thankfully, some guys showed up and helped us push it into a parking lot, and we're able to. It was safe and uh, not a problem. Uh, and it was just a, a couple couple blocks from our house and a couple blocks from our, our mechanic as well. So our AAA covered all the towing, and so that was great. Um, and while the AAA came, they you know sort of looked at the car a little bit and he said, you know, it looks like your CV joint isn't connected properly. And I was like, really? Because I just got that fixed, you know, like a couple weeks ago. And so uh, sure enough, took it to the mechanic and he said, yeah, you know, looks like the clip that holds us together just fell out somehow. He said, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, I haven't seen that happen in years. And, uh, you know, he just, he fixed it for free. And I was like, sweet, like no cost. (laughs) I went from thinking it's time to buy a new car now, (laughs) as opposed to a few months from now to, you know, this, but generally with any uh, sort of brokenness, we had to, you know, we had to pay to, to get it, re- get it fixed in the first place. And uh, generally when you, when something's broken, you gotta, you gotta pay some big bucks to get that fixed. And uh, any sort of restoration project is, is going to cost something. And um, we like to watch some HGTV shows and one show that we uh, watched for a, a while. Uh, we haven't really watched it here, but I guess when we were in Boston, we used to watch uh, Homes on Homes. Have you ever seen that project, Homes on Homes? It goes through uh, projects where people have just totally, you know, left the project halfway through or quoted something that they could do it at and then couldn't do it and then abandoned the project or whatever. And he comes in and, and fixes it, you know, and, and does it right and shows them. Um, these sorts of things cost money. There's a, there's a price to restoring the broken things uh, of our world. And uh, we see that in our cars. We see that in our homes. We see that in our health. 
it, it takes money to, uh, to upkeep these broken, breaking things. There's a price to our restoration. And um, what we're going to see tonight is that uh, simply restoration in Christ is, is a free gift from him. Uh, you know, it, it costs us our surrendering our lives, but, but it is free. You don't, you don't have to pay money to receive salvation in Jesus. It's, it's free. You respond to the call of Christ in your life. It's a free gift. What an amazing truth. And uh, we also see uh, this picture of, of a cripple that has been healed. And, um, you know, one thing that we know is true is that the Bible records a, a lot of healings and talks about them and explains some what we know is that there's lots of healings that aren't recorded and lots of times that people were healed and there isn't an explanation for why they were healed or, or, or things. But uh, with healings, there is a purpose to them. There is, it's not just physical. Most of the time, it's not just physical. It's physical and spiritual. And that's what we see in this case tonight with the healing of the cripple. There's a, there's a physical truth that happens. He, he actually does get to walk his his, uh, his muscles are, are fixed and his legs are fixed and he gets up and starts leaping. There's no time for rehabilitation. He just stands up and walks and leaps through the temple. So that's a physical reality, but there's also a spiritual reality that we'll see as we go through this, um, this study. So let's start by looking at uh, the, the healing of the, lip, the, the, the cripple and uh, we'll, we'll then look at the, the source of that healing. Uh, and finally, we'll, we'll look at uh, the fact that that the people that are watching this healing, they shouldn't be surprised that these days were told. That these days are now for us today even. Um, so let's start looking at the healing of the cripple. Uh, verses 1 and 2, we see that uh, Peter and John are they're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And uh, from what we understand, that's, uh, this, this particular time is 3 p.m. And uh, they come upon this, uh, this man who... It says in verse 2, he, uh, he has been laid by other people there. So daily he is taken by other individuals and placed at the gate uh, in front of the temple. And this is likely uh, the gate on the east side of the temple that enters from the, the court of the Gentiles into uh, the court of the women or uh, into the temple uh, proper. And so he's sitting there at, at this gate, the gate called Beautiful and uh, from what we understand, it might be uh, like three entrances all at one, one spot, and it's maybe bronze. And so just to you know, get that picture in your head, mo- a lot of the other gates were gold, but this one was bronze, and I guess more, more decorative than the other ones, even though it was a, a lesser metal. But anyway, so they called it the beautiful gate, and he's laid there um, daily by these individuals. And uh, we know from chapter 4, uh, verse, I think it's 22, uh, says that, uh, that this man is uh, about 40 years old. Okay, so, uh, so, or more than 40 years old. And so uh, he's been going through this routine of the only means for him to get income is to be laid at this gate and, and beg for alms from those that come in and out of this high traffic area. And so he's placed by other individuals at this spot. And, and while other people go in and out and worship God at the time of prayer, he is sitting outside He's not allowed to go in because he is lame. He's broken, and so he, he wasn't allowed to go into the temple. So Peter and John uh, approach this man, and, uh, and they essentially say, uh, they say, look at us. And the guy starts, uh, starts looking at him. And um, well, so, well, first, in, in verse 3, I guess, uh, the man sees Peter and John coming, and he is about to ask to receive alms. Um, I don't know about you, but a, a lot of times, you know, 
uh, when you get asked for money on the street, lots of things go through your, through your mind, right? When, when someone on the street says, hey, can I have a quarter or a buck or, or whatever? Um, and there's always a question of how are we supposed to respond when, when confronted with that situation, when someone's in need and, and they need some money and uh, you know, they're on the street or something. And, and uh, a lot of times questions come in our mind as to, well, are they going to really use this money in the right way or are they going to take it and, and spend it on something frivolous or something that, uh, you know, that I wouldn't approve of them spending it on. And so, uh, so there's always that question. And um, so I think there's some wisdom in here about how we are to respond to needs as, as we interact with them. Because the fact is, uh, as we interact with needs, the Lord wants us to be able to provide uh, for needs as we see them and to do so as we're able. And so there's a couple of options uh, that, that we really have when we're confronted with those uh, that have a need. So the first thing is that, uh, that we can fill the need. What's up, Dennis? How's it going? Uh, so the first thing is that we can fill the need. We can uh, either give you know, of our own resources and say, you know, yeah, you know, I've got a dollar or I can take you in and get you some food or, you know, whatever. We can give from our resources to help that individual and to fill the need. We can fill it in our own. Or the other way we can fill our need, another, you know, another way we can do that is to connect the individual to resources that are available to them. It's something that we don't uh, often think about, but something I was awakened to a lot while I was in Boston uh, is the fact that you know there are resources available to individuals that are are hitting hard times, and uh, a lot of times it's just a matter of knowing which resources they need to pursue. And so we had an individual in our church in Boston that uh, made really a list of resources that are available to those in need, and he had so like a two pager of contacts that you could uh, get a hold of for various types of need. And the same is true, really, in our context. There are lots of places that uh, have either food or shelter or clothing or, uh, or basic essentials that are available to those in need. And, and sometimes it's really just a matter of connecting an individual to the right resources that are available. So we can fill the need by filling it ourselves or fill it by connecting the individual to resources. But um, the most important thing is that we share Christ's love with the individual that uh, is in need. And um, the fact is that in this interaction, we see Peter and John engaging with the man at the gate. They, they recognize the man's presence. And, you know, so often when we interact, when we're walking on the street and someone is there begging for, begging for money, uh, we just walk by, you know, and, and don't acknowledge a, an individual's presence. But what I think is cool about this is that Peter and John recognize face to face they see his presence acknowledge that you're a child of god just as i am and acknowledge this individual's presence and uh, we need to be more willing to to do that really is the truth and uh, so often we'll avert our eyes and try not to get asked you know for something and just walk by but we need to acknowledge this is another individual this is someone made in the image of god this is an image bearer of god and so we need to share christ's love uh, as we're able to. So you can share Christ's love with anybody. You know, it's free. Like we said, restoration to Christ is, is free. It's a free gift and doesn't cost you any, any dime at all. And so uh, we can share that with him by explaining the gospel. We can share that with him by simply praying for the need that they have. Uh, so prayer for that need is just as important as filling the need on your own. Um, so 
We can fill the need by giving or connecting them to resources. We can share Christ's love in those situations by uh, simply looking for an opportunity to speak the gospel to them or to, to pray for whatever situation they're going through. Um, but the most important thing in the, that we see in this uh, context is that we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would guide our response uh, to the individual uh, that is in need. And uh, what we see with Peter and John is that they're going up to spend time in prayer with the Lord. That's where they're headed. And, and no doubt we've seen throughout the first chapters of Acts that he, they have been devoting themselves unto prayer. And so uh, they've been praying for opportunities to minister to individuals all this time, devoting themselves to prayer. And as they entered the temple, I believe they were in a spirit of prayer, saying, Lord, how can you use me today? How can you use me in this circumstance? And, and they saw this individual and said, I'm going to fill this need. And so uh, we see that they engage the person, they speak to the need, and they follow through with their faith. Uh, verses 4 and 5 say, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them, expecting that he'd receive something. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He didn't have any money to give this man, but he did have the love of Christ. And so he spoke to him with authority and said, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He spoke to the need. He addressed the need with the gospel and with prayer. And not only that, uh, he was led by the Spirit to actually, you know, to, to speak healing into the man in that instance. And when the Lord told him to speak that, he was obedient. First, he prayed and said, you know, be healed. You know, uh, what was his words again? Uh, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then he follows through with a faith action. He extends his hand to the man and rise, rises him up from uh, the place. So he not only prays, but he, but he acts in faith and, and uh, pulls the man to his feet. So you see him healing the cripple, and uh, the amazing thing that happens is the man is healed. And like I said, he, he ends up leaping and praising God in the temple. This is a beautiful thing because uh, really it's a, it's a messianic fulfillment that is, that is happening here. In Isaiah 35, uh, this is a, a, a great passage. I won't read the whole thing, but in verse uh, six, it, 5 and 6, it says this, Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall lame men leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert places. <laughs> so what we see here is this crippled man, this lame man, has been raised up, and now he's leaping. Okay? He was, for 40 years, from birth, unable to move his legs, unable to bring himself to the temple to even beg. He had to be placed there by other individuals. And now he's leaping. And not only is he leaping and running and praising God, he's doing so in the temple. See, like I said, we, uh, there's a physical and a spiritual reality to healing. For this man, he was physically healed. Right? He's up leaping and praising God. But he was separated as a lame man from being able to enjoy the presence of the Lord in the temple. Unlike those that he begged from day after day, who were able to go in at the time of prayer and worship God through prayer and song with the people, he was stuck at the gate just asking for a crumb from the table. 
And now today you recognize that he has faith that God is the one who has done this because the first thing he does is runs into the temple praising God and leaping for joy at what has happened. What a beautiful thing. He is now able to enjoy the presence of the Lord with his brothers and sisters. The amazing truth that's here is, and we'll hit on it again later, is that Christ has restored him. It's not just the temple that he can worship in now. He is, as we've spoken about many times here, as he has placed his faith in Christ Jesus, he has become the temple. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of him. And so he is the presence of God. There's a physical and a spiritual implication to healings, and we see that in the cripple. Um, The fact is we are called and equipped to engage the needs of our community. And the question is, do we have the faith to do it? Do we believe that God wants to meet the needs of those around us? I totally trust that he does. I believe that he loves all people and desires to meet their needs. We have to be willing to submit to the Holy Spirit and how he would guide us to do that. He's given us the resources, and we've seen it in this text that we don't need silver or gold. We need simple faith in Christ Jesus. And that can outwork in practical ways. It can outwork in healings. And it can outwork in, uh, in simple love and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. So we're called to equip and engage the needs of our community. This, uh, this healing spawns a, a speech by Peter to those around because uh, in verse 11 we see that Peter and John are, are being clung to by the lame man as as he's, you know, just, just ecstatic about what has happened. So they run together to him at the portico called Solomon's, and this is a huge uh, space along the east side of the temple uh, where people would uh, go, go at the time of prayer. And uh, so people are sort of congregating around and, and in, in wonder at what has happened because, you know, for 40 years, this man has been at this gate. And so all those that have gone in and out, they know him. They know he's been there. They know he's there asking for alms. They know him. And so Peter goes forward and uh, explains what has happened. He's, he says in, in verse 10, they recognized him as the one that, that was at the temple gate. And so Peter, as he's clinging to them, begins to explain why this thing has occurred. And the reason he gives is very simple. He says, listen, this man was not healed by our power. He was healed by the power of Jesus Christ. And then he further says, as we'll study later, that these times were predicted by your prophets. Moses spoke of them. Abraham spoke of them. All the prophets from Samuel on spoke of these days here. The Lord would powerfully move in your midst. So first we see in verses 11 to 18, the source of the healing is Christ Jesus. Verse 12, we see um, this very simple but important point for us to understand. Peter says in verse 12, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or our piety we have made him walk? See, Peter and John recognize that they haven't reached some holiness standard in which they're now able to operate in faith to fulfill needs. It isn't like you have to go through like a graduation program to be qualified to minister to people in their time of need. All you need is the power of Christ Jesus working in you. 
The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, speaking to you and directing you in the things you ought to do. He's equipped you and enabled you to fulfill the needs of those around you. So you don't have to achieve some special degree to do that. Christ has given you the power in his name by the presence of the Holy Spirit to allow you to meet the needs around you powerfully. So he says, it is not by our godliness, it is not by our piety that this has happened. It's not by our own power that this has happened. And he goes on to explain that it's Jesus that is the source of the healing. He does so by explaining exactly what has happened to Jesus, why he is convinced that this power is from Jesus. You know, they are probably trying to make the connection. Okay, it's about, it's not your power of piety, so how, how did you get, how did this happen? Where, where is the source of this power? And so he explains very clearly, listen, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers. He says, listen, the God you serve, he has glorified his servant, Jesus. And then he explains what has happened over the past days in Jerusalem. He says, this Jesus whom you've delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when Pilate had decided to release him, but you denied him uh, the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and by his name, by faith in his name, has made, uh, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. I don't know if you hear the just emphatic nature of Peter's speech. He says in verse 16, in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man the perfect health. He says, listen, it was Jesus, it was Jesus, it was Jesus. It was not our power. It was not our holiness. It was Jesus that did this to this man. Why am I convinced of it? Because Jesus was killed on a cross, but God raised him to life. No one's ever done that before. It is Jesus by his power that these things are happening. He is convinced of it. And he goes on further in the, in the next, uh, next section to, to explain that a little further. But the fact is, all spiritual authority that we have comes from our response to Jesus. Peter explains to them that these days when, when Jesus will move powerfully through his people, where he will meet the needs of those around them by the power of the Holy Spirit working through his people, uh, he explains them by the prophets that have spoken to Israel for years and years, for thousands of years. He says to them, uh, starting in, in verse, look at verse 24 first. He says, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him all proclaimed these days that you are seeing. He says, everyone from Samuel on, okay? That's a lot of prophets, <laughs> That's every prophet that is recorded in the Bible, okay? Every prophet, he's saying, has spoken of these days, that these days would come. He says, these days are, first of all, days of fulfillment. And he references Moses, where 
Moses in, in verse uh, 22 and 23, he's actually speaking, is a, is a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 and, and following. He says this, that Moses, Moses said this about Jesus. He's applying this truth that Moses said to Jesus. He says, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who, uh, who does not listen to that, pe- that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. He's saying, Jesus is the prophet Moses spoke about. He's applying that truth, that fundamental truth that so many of the Israelites had clinged to for so long that there would be someday a prophet like Moses. Moses is like the the top prophet that they have, the the top person that they respect in their their religion. And so he's saying, listen, Moses said a prophet would come like me and that you are to obey everything that he says. I'm telling you, that prophet was Jesus. And you rejected him and killed him, but he's raised to life. So he's, applying that, he's saying that these are days of fulfillment. This prophet that Moses proclaimed is Christ Jesus. The second fulfillment that we see is in verse 25, he connects him back to Abraham. Uh, and he pulls this from uh, Genesis chapter 22, uh, verse 18, and there's a number of other uh, chapters that speak of the Abrahamic covenant, um, Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. Uh, but here in verse 25, he says, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenants that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He says, Listen, the offspring that was promised to Abraham. That is Jesus saying that is Christ. He has fulfilled that today. So he said he's, he's the prophet that Moses predicted. He's the offspring that Abraham predicted. This is Jesus. These are the days of the fulfillment. So all the prophets, Moses, Abraham, have proclaimed these days that Christ's power is going to work through his people to bless the nations as we've he's, as he's seen in the cripple in this healing So a question that comes up in this is then, well, how have the disciples somehow accessed this, this power, this, this presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives? Well, it's pretty simple, and it's simply that they have responded to Jesus and what he has said. They've responded to the life of Christ. They've responded to the call of Christ in their lives. Um. There's a really powerful verse in, in verse 26 that says, these are days of blessing that we, that we live in. And the days of blessing are, are a little different than you would suspect. A lot of times we associate blessing with like, God's going to uh, bless us with some sort of uh, provision of some sort. And that's true. He does that. He does that. And we saw it last week as we were uh, just exalting God for all the things that he had provided, a, a car and some health and some money for someone that needed it and job interviews and all these sorts of things. The Lord has been providing in our midst, which is awesome. He does that. But also, uh, there's another blessing that, that we often forget. And, and it was so neat to look at this on Wednesday and, and realize this during our uh, community group. Uh, verse 26 says this, God, having raised up his servant, Jesus sent him to you first, to the Israelites, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. He says, 
it is a blessing that you are able to repent. That's a blessing to us today. It is a blessing that we are not wiped out from this earth right now, that we are still living in a time when the Lord hasn't come back yet, where we have a chance to repent of our wicked ways. That is a blessing to us. Count every day that you have. You look at those around you that haven't placed their faith in Christ Jesus. Every day they are allowed to live is a blessing to them. Whether they turn and acknowledge it or not will determine their eternal destiny. But every hour they're given is a blessing from God that they might repent of their wicked ways. We too can see that in our own lives. can see times, you know, you look back at, you may look back at your testimony and see times where, man, if I would have gone that route, I would have destroyed everything. I would not be alive today. I, things would look completely different. It is a blessing that God extends his grace that we're able to repent. We were just rocked by that Wednesday when we were studying it, the fact that it's a blessing. A repentance is a blessing to us. So many times repentance is this ugly word, but, but God has given it as a blessing to humanity. And um, Earlier in the passage, uh, uh, Peter had spoken of the fact that uh, that the Lord Jesus had been risen and, and that he ascended to heaven and now he is in heaven waiting to come back. And again, that speaks to the truth that he's waiting for the time when he's supposed to come back. Again, that grace has been extended to us until he returns for us to repent. So it's a day of blessing. It's a day of fulfillment. It's a day of blessing. It's a day of response for us. Verses 19 to 21 speak of this fact that, that these days that have been proclaimed by all the prophets are days of response. Verse 19 to 20 says this, um, Peter's speaking to them. He has just told them, listen, you've seen Jesus. You've seen what he's done. He was killed. He was raised. And now he is uh, uh, healing people in your midst. He is spreading out like wildfire in this community. You've seen the power of Jesus. And now this is what you're supposed to do. We saw the same message in, in chapter two. But he says it again here, starting in verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven received until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So first we see in verses 19 and 20, that simple truth that we've hit over and over and over in our fellowship over the past months, that responding to Jesus is simply this, repenting, acknowledging the holiness of God and the brokenness of yourself, acknowledging that, that you need to repent in, in, the, in the face of a holy and just God. You need repentance. So repentance. Second, receive. Receive the forgiveness of Christ Jesus. Verse 20 says, Repent therefore and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. How are they blotted out? They are blotted out by the blood of Jesus poured out on the cross for us. Repent of your sin. Receive the forgiveness of Christ. And then finally we see in this passage, refreshing. Verse, uh, verse 20, That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he might send the Christ to point him for you, even Jesus. 
repent, receive the forgiveness that Christ has provided to you, and walk in the refreshing power of the presence of the Lord. These are days of response where we look at the life of Jesus and say, I need to repent. I need the forgiveness of Christ, and I need to surrender to the Spirit's move in my life. So first, days of response to to turn to Jesus, to turn from our wicked ways, to accept the blessing that God has given us, the ability to repent before a holy God. And second, these days of response are marked by a mission to accomplish before Christ comes. Verses 20 and 21 say this to us, Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, even Jesus, whom heaven has received until the restoring of all things, about which God spoke through the, holy, the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. The fact is, Jesus is coming again. You know, it is a blessing. Again, like we said, it's a blessing every day that we're able to respond. But it won't go on forever. Someday Christ will return. And as he came the first time, he came with grace extended to all mankind, with a sacrificial love given on the cross. But the second time he comes, he's not coming with that again. He's coming to judge the sins of mankind. And if you've placed your faith in Christ Jesus, then you've received that forgiveness and you're walking in the refreshing presence of the Lord. But if you haven't, you're facing judgment. So we're living in days of response. We have to respond to Christ. We have to accept the forgiveness he's given. And we as Christians have to accept the mission that is before us to meet the needs of our community that are there. The fact is, you have been equipped to engage the needs of your community. We saw that in the healing of the cripple. The source isn't in some attainment of a degree. The source isn't in the payment of certain funds. You don't receive fulfillment by paying for classes. You don't. You don't. You receive forgiveness simply by turning to Christ Jesus. If we hope to fulfill God's calling in our lives, we must continually respond to the work of Christ. So what then is the lesson from the healing of the cripple? I think we've seen it pretty clearly. The fact is the leper was sitting there at at the temple gate, broken. For, For 40 years he had been there, without an ability to move, been placed there by other individuals. And then by the power of Christ, he was raised up by faith and able to walk into the temple and praise God. The fact is we have to recognize that we either are that cripple or we were that cripple. And the only reason that we are able to sing and worship the author of life, the servant Christ Jesus, the Holy One predicted by the prophet Moses, the the seed of Abraham. The only reason we're able to experience the refreshing of the Lord in our lives is because of a response to the message and gospel of Christ Jesus. Repentance in front of God the Father, a receiving of the grace of the Lord Jesus, and a submission to the presence of the Lord moving through our lives. See, restoration is a, is a free gift. It's not 
silver, and gold. It's bought for us by Christ Jesus. It doesn't cost us a dime. It costs us our entire lives. It costs us giving all that we are to the Lord. But in truth, that sacrifice of giving up what the world offers for what Christ has given us is nothing. It is nothing. It is worth everything that we've laid down. So we have to be like Peter and John who, who saw the needs in their community and engaged them and did so by faith in the name of Christ Jesus. We have to respond daily to Christ. Each day is given is a blessing that we might turn from our selfishness. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that you have given us the ability to respond to you. Lord, we each individually can testify to how broken we are, how our wicked ways are, are many, but you have washed them clean in Christ Jesus. Lord, as a people, we repent before you. And on behalf of our city, we repent before you. On behalf of our nation, we repent before you. On behalf of our world, we repent before the holy God. We pray the blood of Jesus would flow over this land. Lord, we seek that times of refreshing would come in this place. Help us to respond to Christ Jesus. Help us to respond to him daily. Lord, we submit our lives to you, God. We want to serve you with all that we are. Thank you for the gift of Christ. Thank you for your blessings. They are so many. They are new every morning. Pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.